If your faith in Christ is not leading you to live a lifestyle of devotion to Jesus, then you're in danger. It's a message that America needs to hear today. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Who wants to hear the word of the Lord today? I know I do. Welcome everybody and welcome everybody online. We have listeners online. Do you guys want to say hi to those online? Hi everybody online. From our little small house church in McKinney, Texas, we welcome you who are listening online via SoundCloud. We Thank you for joining us in this beautiful Sunday morning, because whether you're struggling or whether you're sitting on top of the mountain, God's good, and He's always with us, and He takes care of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So God is good, and He's our great provider, our Jehovah Jireh. He's our healer. He's our provider. He's our comforter. He's everything to us. He's everything for me. I hope He's everything to you, too. If you guys want to join me in a word of prayer before we get started and reading our scripture for today, and I'm going to teach on it. So if you guys want to join me, Lord, thank you so much for joining us today, Lord. We welcome you, Jesus Christ, because your word says wherever two or three or more are gathered in your name, Jesus, you shall be there. And so, Lord, we know that you're here amongst us in our presence, as is your Holy Spirit that's dwelling amongst us right now, Lord. I welcome you. I pray, Lord God, right now that you would be well pleased with the words that come out of my mouth, Lord. I pray you'd be well pleased, Lord God, with the way that the people that hear this message would receive it. I pray, Lord, that none of us, today after we hear this message, from now on on in our lives, Lord God, I pray none of us would grieve your spirit. Lord, I pray we'd be obedient, Lord, unto what you call us to do. And I pray, Lord God, that you would light a fire under all the believers out there that are listening to this message, Lord God, after they hear this message, I pray you light a fire to their bottoms to get out there, Lord, and be obedient to your calling on their lives. Pray, Lord, that you would keep Satan out of this place, keep any spirits of, just any evil spirits out of this place, Lord. They are not welcome here, Lord. I pray that you would get them out of here right now. Lord, I pray that no distractions today would come. And we'd all be able to focus, Lord, on you 
in on your word, because that's why we're here. We only gather for you. We're not gathering to do evil. We're not gathering to do this or that. We're here to gather because of our love of Christ in your word. God, so please, Lord, let your revelation come mightily and manifold today, Lord. And we love you and praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to be down in 27 through 31, verses 27 through 31. Our title of our scripture today is The Great Consolation. If you guys want to turn, if you have Bibles, Matthew 10, 27 through 31, and I'm going to read them. All right, so let's read. Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus is spe still speaking here. Again, I say, I have a New King James Version Bible, and in my Bible, all my words are in red whenever Jesus is speaking. So I'm reading all the words of Jesus today. So if you have a problem with anything that you hear today, or I don't know, I can't do that, or oh, well, you know, that's just not important, then you just have to say to yourself, I heard the words of Jesus because they're in red and they're his words only. And you have to say, I'm just not going to do his words. I'm not going to abide and obey his words. You have to say that to yourself. I, I just will not obey Jesus's words. So let's read them. 27 to 31. Jesus says, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So again, our message is called The Great Consolation. And you have to understand that that, that that title is for a reason that God laid that title on my heart, The Great Consolation. You have to imagine that the disciples, after the teachings of Jesus just now, that he just gave them, remember he just taught them, we were, last week we studied Matthew 10, 16 through 26, where he just taught them that Bad things, brutal things are going to happen to you just for going out and sharing my word, just for evangelizing. You're going to be brutally murdered even. You'll be persecuted. All peoples will hate you for my name's sake. And that's all going to happen to you because, you know, you're going to go out and preach my word. So way to go, guys. Well, now, if you can only imagine, we'll get into this a little later, the disciples were probably a little shocked and scared. Now you say, how do we know that they were a little shocked and scared? Well, because when I read it, or while you were hearing it, that's pretty scary to listen to. What do you mean? I, you mean for sharing your word, I, people are going to hate me for your name's sake, and, and I'm going to be persecuted? Well, they were probably shocked and a little scared. And could you blame them? That was some harsh news. What if you today, wherever you are listening, if this is not your home church and you're just listening to me online or you're in here today, what if I told you today, just for coming to this church 
As soon as you walk out the doors, you're, you might be killed. People are going to wait out there for you right now, and they're going to and and they're going to they're going to kill you for what you heard today. Or or if you're online and you're listening online, and you might be thinking, I go to my home church. What if I left? What if my pastor told me today after you hear this message, you could walk out the door, and somebody might kill you, and people are going to hate you just for sitting in here. I will guarantee you, at least in America, because the American church is. Not what God wants it to be right now. I can tell you that. That's an understatement. I can tell you right now in American churches that any pastor that told his congregation that, the next week would have a less congregation than they did the week before. Because the people in there would seriously doubt their commitment to that organization if their pastor told them that. Well, Jesus here gave them some really bad news, remember, 16 through 26. Bad things are going to happen because you're following me. So although the disciples walk with Christ in the flesh, because you know they did, and we don't get to do that. He gives us his Holy Spirit now. We don't get to walk with him in the flesh like the disciples did. Does not mean that they were some super spiritual, super soldier, genetically engineered soldier that was able to just do whatever whenever they were just normal, plain human beings, just like us. I'm going to give you proof of that. And, and the Lord put it on my heart this, this week, so I, that's why I, I throw myself in the end. But don't ever think I knock the disciples, because they were flawed just like us. So I hate to always pick on them and not always any say anything about us, because, you know, I, I don't want to pick on them. They were, they were great men of God eventually but even up to their deaths they still made mistakes and they still sinned and they still made flaws and they still weren't perfect just like me and you but just some examples of how messed up and problematic the disciples were if you want to go to Matthew 26 or you can just listen to me we're going to read about 10 verses in Matthew 26 we're going to hear about the kind of guys that Jesus chose and what they did and how flawed they really were and how messed up they really were, just to let you know how they, they really were scared here. So Matthew 26, then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane. This was near his, this was near his death and his burial and his resurrection and, and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Now that was a command. Jesus said, Stay here and watch with me. I'm going to go over there a little bit and I'm going to pray. And I want you to stay awake and I want you to watch with me. Just That's the only command that they had. Stay awake and watch with me while I go over there and pray. Verse 39. He went a little farther and fell on his face and he prayed, saying, Oh, my father... If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then, verse 40, he, came, he comes to the disciples, and he finds them sleeping. And he said to Peter, What? With an exclamation point. Could you not watch with me one hour? All that they had to do was stay awake for one single hour. But they fell asleep. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this happened two more times. Jesus went away, prayed, comes back, finds him sleeping. 
Remember I said, average people, flawed and sinful, just like me and you. They were nothing special. Luke 9, verses 51 to 56. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now in case you didn't know, Peter, James, and John were Jesus' like closest three disciples. They were like what the, what the Bible we call today his inner circle. They were his most intimate disciples. So verse 52, and he sent messengers, Jesus sent messengers before his face, and as they entered into the village of Samaria, they were there to prepare for him. But they did not receive him. The villagers of Samaria, the village innkeeper, did not receive him. But his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? So because the Samaritan people and the Samaritan innkeeper wouldn't accept and receive Jesus, James and John, close, two of his closest companions, wanted to destroy him for their rejection of him. So he answers in 55, but he turned to them and he rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then they went to another village. Thomas, if you remember, in John 20, Jesus comes one week before and after his resurrection, and he comes before his all ten disciples. Judas had already hung himself. Thomas wasn't there, and he speaks to his ten disciples, and they all were like, all right, Jesus. Thomas comes in right afterwards, and they all told Thomas, Thomas, this is what happened. This is what happened. Jesus, the Lord, he was among us. You, you, you all, you, I wish you would have been here. And Thomas says, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails <clears throat> and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. <laughs> and verse 26 of John 20, and after eight days, his disciples were gathered together again and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. And he said to Thomas, so he knew Thomas's rejection. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand there and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. So remember, Tom, Jesus wasn't there when Thomas rejected him. But he was there. Because God is everywhere. Always remember that. God is everywhere. And he can hear everything you always say and even everything you always think. He wasn't there in the flesh or in the manifestation of the resurrected Jesus, but he was there spiritually. So he heard Thomas reject him. So he comes back in and he says, do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believed. Great men of faith, you might say. These guys were perfect. That's the reason they could evangelize for Jesus. Because they were just superhuman, supernatural beings. That's not what I see. I see lots of sin. I see lots of flaw. I see lots of problems. I see lots of unbelief. And yet, these are the people that Jesus called to carry on the torch. Amazing. Amazing. How about all the disciples? How about in Mark 14, 50? 
when Jesus really needed them the most when he was being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible declares that as Jesus was there and all the Roman soldiers came to arrest him, that all the disciples were there, and as they started to take Jesus away, all the disciples fled. 1450, they all forsook him and fled. And one more, Mark 16, 9 through 11, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him. So she left after seeing Jesus, and she went and told those of his closest disciples, the 11, I've seen him. I've seen the resurrected Jesus. And when they heard that he was alive and been seen by her, they did not believe. Whoa! They walked with him. Three and a half years, they heard him say, this is what's going to happen to me. The Son of Man is going to be rejected into man's hands. I'm going to be delivered over to them. They're going to kill me. They're going to bury me, and then I'm going to raise again. I'm going to come back to life. And after three and a half years, he does it. The fulfillment of what he said comes to pass. Mary Magdalene sees him. Praise God, Jesus. Oh, you good. I'm glad to see you all. All right. Go back, he tells her. Go back and tell him all what you've seen. She goes back and tells him. Certainly, if anybody that believed, it'd be the disciples, right? Because they must have been these superhuman, supernatural men of faith to go out and carry on the torch of Christ, you know, for forever. And that's why we're saved today is because they were obedient to the Great Commission, right? And they did not believe. They were regular fellows like me and you. They were nothing special. In fact, just like us, it's like me to this day. <clears throat> I've made many mistakes. I have many flaws. I have let God down many of times and I have disappointed the Holy Spirit many of times. Which led me years ago to pray to God. And I was seeking the Lord in His face and I said, Lord, how can you use a nobody like me? I'm a failure. Look at how I've let you down. I've even rejected you before, man, Lord. I've not proclaimed your name. When I know you told me, tell that guy about him. Tell, tell that guy about me. And I failed. And I've let God down. I've disappointed God. And I was seeking God. God, how can you use me? How can you use somebody like me? And that's when the Lord spoke to me as I prayed and as I thought about these things. And this is what the Lord told me. And this is for all of us, folks. Because if God can use me, I'm not Bill Gates. I'm not the president of the United States or any country. I'm not a multimillionaire. I'm not a land baron. I'm nobody and nothing special in this earth. But to God I am. But he told me this. God used very ordinary men in very extraordinary ways. I was praying to the Lord, saying, Lord, but Lord, I've got a family. 
a wife and two children you know Lord I worked a job or two jobs and I, I I'm always at work and I work you know quite a bit and provide for my family Lord I, I'm not a missionary a paid missionary to go here and to go there how can you use me Lord how can you use me I'm so ordinary not Billy Graham crusades of hundreds of thousands of peoples I'm just Ed and he said God used very ordinary men in very extraordinary ways. And you know what? That gave me such encouragement as I pray it would give you encouragement today because guess what? We're all ordinary people. And when I heard that, when God told me that, I said, praise God. Well, I'm very ordinary. That means God can use me in extraordinary ways. He doesn't, need to be, he doesn't need me to be this person or that person. He doesn't need me to be president of this or, or CEO of this. He doesn't need me to be Billy Graham or Chuck Smith or anybody. He just can use me because I'm an ordinary person. And he can take man and mankind and men and women and children that are very ordinary and God can use us in extraordinary ways. So, while these average disciples who made many mistakes were in shock because of what they just learned, remember? They must have been because we surely would have been because I was when I read it myself. Jesus goes ahead and he lays off of them. No, he doesn't. He pushes harder. Verse 27. Let's read it. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Now, after you hear the message of persecution, that might lead you to, like, try to slink back. Ooh, so if I don't preach him that much, that means that I, I won't be persecuted. But Jesus just said, just do the opposite. I, I know, I know, I, you know, he's God and he knows everything. He knows man's hearts. So instead of giving him that opportunity to say, oh, you know, I, you know I'll, I'll just do it, you know, and I'll do it secretively. I'll do it around the side. I'll put that gospel track on the shelf of the store. I won't hand it to the person because certainly, you know, that's, that's, I'm still getting the word out, but you know, that's, you know, God wouldn't want me to do that. Jesus completely crushes what they're thinking. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Why did he say preach on the housetops? Well, think about it. If you're standing on the ground and you've got some people in front of you, you're going to be able to maybe speak to two, three people unless you've got a big mega, megaphone system or big, some big speakers to pre reach out to thousands of people. But if you're on a housetop, you're lifted up, you're raised up. As you're speaking down, your voice is going to go down. It's going to go across. And then if there's just one person down there and you start speaking to one person on the housetop, guess what's going to happen? Your voice is going to carry because you're on the housetop. And before you know it, more than one person's going to be there. A whole crowd is going to be there. So what's Jesus saying by preach from the housetops? He's saying everywhere you go, everywhere you go and in everything you do, be so loud about me that everybody, everywhere you go, knows about me. And folks... This isn't a command just to the disciples. This is not something he's asking them to do. He's commanding them. 
whatever I tell you in the dark. When you hear the word whatever, what does that mean? Does that mean I can pick and choose what I want to speak for God and say those things? No. Whatever I tell you. The word whatever definition is whatever. Everything. Whatever you hear. Everything you hear. In the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. What is he saying? Christians, do you get it yet? Don't be afraid of your adversaries and be so loud about what I tell you everywhere you go. Everyone around you will hear my teachings. Why is he being so adamant? Why is he being so strong about what he wants us to do? What? Why? 2 Peter 3.9 for God desires none to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's God's heart. How is this possible? How is this possible? Look at these scriptures. John 8, 31, 32. Then Jesus said to the Jews who followed him, If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, what is my word? His teachings. You are my disciples indeed. And listen, if you're abiding in the words, get to 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The freedom comes through the teachings and the words of Jesus Christ. The same ones that he wants us to preach from the housetops because he wants everybody to get saved. John 6, 63, toward the end of Jesus' teachings, he says, it is the Spirit who gives life. He's just stating a fact. The Spirit of God is the one who gives life, everlasting life to people. The flesh profits nothing. And then he says, the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. His words, his teachings are the ones that he wants them and us to preach from the housetops because their spirit and their life that can get people to heaven. He wants people to come to him, get saved, and have a relationship with him now and have everlasting life with him forever. And that only happens through his words and his teachings. Now, Buddha, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, Shiva, Vishnu, the ancient Greek gods, all of them, etc., all false gods, guess what? They can't save nobody. Their words are as dead as they are. They were buried in the ground, and their bones or either ashes are still there now, but they're still in the ground right where they were buried when most of them were alive on the face of this planet. Jesus is not in the ground anymore. He's been resurrected from the dead, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he says, my words are life. Amen. My words are life. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not the Greek gods, not the Hindu gods. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Christians, 
if you care about the souls of people, obey Jesus Christ with your whole life, with every breath, with every heartbeat, and do it so that everybody knows it. Because her, his words can bring life to other people. Talking about the weather doesn't bring life to other people. Talking about the ball game that was on the other day, those words don't bring life to people. Talking about how old you are and where you went to high school and relatives and family, that doesn't make for words of life that make people live. Only Jesus' words can give people life. Now, ironically, as we have one side of the spectrum, I just felt like God wanted me to throw that in there. Ironically, we have these other sects of what people think are Christianity. And we have these false religions, these cults that are out there that teach all kinds of secretiveness. Sharp contrast to the teachings of Jesus. Uh, they are included as Mormons. For instance, in the Mormon faith, so you know, Mormons believe that Jesus is Satan's brother. That Jesus is the good son and Satan is the bad son of God. And they're both sons of God, but Jesus just took the correct path as where Satan took the crooked path. But you'll never, ever, ever, ever hear a Mormon missionary tell you that just right up when they walk up. Hi, I'm a Mormon. Did you know that Jesus Christ is Satan's brother? No, no, no. Only if you ask will they tell you. Only if you bring it up will they actually admit to that point. Secrecy. We got to keep these things secret. In case you don't know, the Mormon tabernacle, not every, not every Mormon even gets to go to the Mormon tabernacle. And they have secret handshakes and there's secret veils behind different curtains where people hide and they do these things and the men and the women are split up and it's, it's just all secrecy. We have the Freemasons. They have so many secrets that they're too many to talk about. In fact, the only way that you can even get into their religion or their faith or whatever they call it, their secret society, is if you're invited. So you can't actually today go, I want to be a Freemason and go and be a Freemason. They have to invite you in. They have stuff like just one, for instance, they have secret handshakes, for instance, that if they get pulled over by a cop and they give a secret handshake or a secret word, then they'll be let off of a ticket. So the whole society is completely nothing but secrecy. Jehovah's Witnesses went on jehovahswitness.org and it's an association of former Jehovah's Witnesses and they say they were used to be of the faith. The whole organization from top down is draped in secrecy. Information is on a need-to-know basis only. Elders have knowledge that only that other Jehovah's Witnesses don't have. They believe that their spiritual enlightenment only comes from their organization. And any information that contradicts anything that the Jehovah's Witnesses say is from the devil. That's what they believe. And they believe, actually, that the whole world is under Satan's control, except, of course, for their religion. The whole world, except for the Jehovah's Witness religion. And if you ask them, here's another one that they won't tell you, 
if you ask them. Because you know, and now you'll be in the know, okay? Because I don't believe in secrets. Now you know. They believe that Jesus is the Archangel Michael. And they take out scripture, and they also believe that Jesus Christ is not God Almighty. He's a created being. They even have their own Bible translation made called the New World Translation. And it actually says that Jesus is a God, not the God. And he's Michael, the archangel. But they won't tell you that. Secrets, secrets, secrets. But yet each one of them believe that they're of the one true Christian faith. How can that be? Even their teachings are secrecy. Even their teachings contradict what Christ said in Matthew 10, 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. Whatever I tell you in the ear, get up on the rooftop and tell everybody in everywhere you go what I said. And yet, multitudes of peoples follow these false faiths and consider themselves to be Christians, even though their teachings completely contradict Jesus' verse here, Matthew 10, 27. It's absolutely amazing to me. I just can't believe it. It's just like, how can they do that? It's right there, but they do it. Millions, hundreds of millions of peoples worldwide believe in these false faiths and call themselves Christians. And yet completely their teachings contradict what Jesus said right here. Now remember what I said in the beginning of his teaching. If you have any problems with any words that I speak, don't think they're not my words. They're Jesus' words here, the words of bread. So if you have a, well, that's not true. I, I can be secretive on it. Well, then you're going against what Jesus said in his word. Not Ed Spagnoli's word. You're going against Jesus' words here. So quick note. Remember, before we move on, the shocked disciples. Jesus just tells them that. Personal application just for us. Jesus commands real Christians today. Even if we are scared to do the same thing that Jesus is saying right here, right now. So even if you're scared, you may be thinking, but Pastor Ed, I'm scared. I can't go out and share the gospel. I can't. I'm too scared. I don't know enough. To you, Jesus just said, verse Matt, to you, Jesus just said, Matthew 10, 27. Everything I tell you, although I know you're scared, Whoever you are out there, although I know you're scared, go and do this, what I told you to do. And even I, most times, am scared to talk to people about Jesus Christ. It's our natural human tendency to be frightened to do those things. Yet, it's still God's command. You have to tell God, I'm just not going to do it. Don't tell me, tell God. So, now, Christ knew that these guys were shocked and scared as well as we do. And we already looked at how we know about that, because we would have been too. It's no wonder why he goes ahead and says the next verse. Verse 28, let's read it. And do not fear those who kill the body, but not, cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He just gave them, and us today, folks a wonderful, huge reason why not to be scared. What did he say? Simply put, 
God Almighty is bigger and more powerful than people that can hurt your puny little fleshly body. God Almighty is bigger. Jesus tells them then and us now, why would you fear people? They can only hurt your body. They have no authority over your soul. People can only hurt you for a moment. If they torture you to death, you suffered for 5 to 10 to 30 minutes, and then that's it for the rest of eternity. You have peace with God forever. Or here in America, more along the lines of, people may not like me. People may, people may tell me, no, I don't want to hear that. Get away from me with that. He teaches us here that there's only one that we're allowed to be afraid of, and that's God Almighty. Makes sense. Look at this next verse with me, 1 Corinthians 1.25. Paul says, The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So we know that neither God is foolish nor weak. So what's Paul saying? Paul's saying that since God's not even foolish, the foolishness of God is smarter than us. And since God's not foolish, nothing about God, everything about God is wiser than us. And the weakness of God, and God's not weak in one point, not even one. And since he's not weak at all, even his, not even his weakness is stronger than us. Don't fear man. Don't fear people. Is, real, is God really that big? Maybe say, Pastor Ed, I don't know. How do we know God is really that big? Let's listen to what the Bible declares through Solomon, king of Israel, 1 Kings 8, 27. He says, well, he's praying to God for the new temple that he had just finished. And he says in, in his prayer, he says, but God indeed, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain him. How much less this temple, which I've built. The heaven of heavens. In case you don't know what the Bible's referring to by heaven of heavens, the sky, what you see immediately above your head, is what the Bible considers to be the first heaven. Then space and all that we can see and even can't see, that's the heaven of heavens. So that's everything that even the deep Hubble and beyond can't see, can't contain him. That's how big Solomon declared that he was. Isaiah 40 verse 12 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? or measured heaven with a span of his hand. He calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Does anybody, can you raise your hand, how many people know how many particles of dust are on the planet? <coughs> Nobody knows, sorry. Impossible to measure how much dust is on the face of the planet. And then he says, it says, he weighs the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. I wonder how many mountains there are in the world. I bet nobody even knows that. But yet it says there, God weighed the mountains on scales. So not only, I don't know how many there are, 
But God weighed them. He knows how much they weigh. Whew. And he put the hills in a balance. So God Almighty is so big and all-powerful and eternal and unstoppable, all-knowing, and the list could go on and on and on and on. Let's just put it this way. God is humongous. Beyond comprehension. How's that? And well, uh, mankind, feeble, weak. Ever had your hand or your leg been cut at all? A, a little cut, you know, like a pen or a pencil. You know, you ever accidentally reached in your pocket or something and you accidentally sliced your skin? And think of how easy that happened. Think of how easy that little cut happened. And just to think, even a paper clip could kill you. Something as small as a paper clip could kill you. Yeah, we're feeble and weak. Ever think of this? When you go to sleep tonight, don't forget to make sure that your heart stays beating in your chest, even when you're in, you know, unconscious. And don't forget this too. While you're sleeping... And while you're quiet and you're settled down and you're, you're not, you know, you're just off in a dreamland, la-la world, don't forget to keep breathing. Oh, wait a minute. You can't do those things, can you? Because guess what? You're unconscious. Which means, folks, that every breath that you take and every heartbeat that your heart beats is a gift from God. Do you have power to even keep yourself alive? Absolutely not. The very power that is in your body to keep you alive comes from the almighty creator of all the universe. So again, he says, do, do, not, do not be afraid of people. They can only hurt or kill you temporarily. You're this, this temporary tent, this temporary body that you're in or forever. Fear the one who has the ultimate power and authority of everything. God Almighty. That's what Jesus is telling you here. So disciples, don't be afraid. Who are you afraid of? Weak, lowly, simple man who can say some mean words to you, or even if they pull out a gun and shoot you in the head, then you're dead and then you're in heaven forever. That's big deal. Big deal, Jesus says. Don't fear them. Fear the one that has all the power to, once you are dead, to either give you the right to go to heaven or banish you to the everlasting flames of fire forever. Fear him. Fear him. So that's a consolation already. <clears throat> but now... Here's the greater consolation. <clears throat> Let's read verse 29. Excuse me, let me get a sip here. Verse 29, let's read it. <clears throat> Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. He gives them even more of a reason to be comforted. The definition of Consolation, that's why I named the sermon The Great Consolation. The definition of consolation is comfort. So this verse, and on down, down, Jesus gives them great comfort through what he says even more. What is he saying? 
So besides God being bigger than all creation, <clears throat> life itself and anything and everything in all creation, and having all real power, period, Jesus says in verse 29 that two sparrows are only sold for one copper coin. In case you don't know, I did the research here. Check this out. The Greek word for copper coin is asarian. It's defined as the name of a coin equal to the tenth part of a drachma, and a drachma is worth 16 cents. 16 cents. Which makes two sparrows only sold for 16 cents. And Jesus says that not one of them died <clears throat> without God knowing about it. <clears throat> Why would Jesus give this great idea? He's making a huge point. Here's the huge point. Look at sparrows real quick. According to about.com birding and birds, sparrows are some of the most familiar and most common birds in the world. <clears throat> in case you thought, well, you know, Pastor Ed, sparrows must be, you know, something, something special. No. They are some of the most common birds in all the world. They are so common, they can even be found on every continent except Antarctica. They're so plain, in fact, the term sparrow covers, the word sparrow covers a wide range of relatively small, mostly drab brown birds. Think of the last time you saw a mostly plain brown drab bird. That's the bird that Jesus was talking about here. Okay. Lastly, the majority of sparrows, this is going to blow your mind, are relatively tiny and small with sizes ranging from only four to eight inches in length. Though most of them are only five to seven inches most commonly. What is this huge point? God Almighty, who is larger than all creation combined, the whole universe, etc., keeps track of the death or loss of every single common, drab, dull, brown, plain bird that's as tiny as four to eight inches in size and are each only sold for eight cents. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor Ed, you said 16. Yeah, that was two for 16. That would be one for eight pennies. How big is four to eight inches, you might say? Let's put it in perspective and relativity to today. How big is four to eight inches? Pencil. A brand new pencil was less than eight inches. A pen. Try a screwdriver. Or how about the average flashlight? So, do you even care to know where each one of your pencils, pens, flashlights, screwdrivers, etc. are? And if you lost just one of them, when's the last time you lost a pencil that you remember that you lost a pencil? I'll guarantee you, not one of you remembers. Not because I don't. The last time I lost a pencil or a pen. Maybe a screwdriver, but I have a whole bunch of them. So losing one... I'm not even going to notice. Not even going to notice. Now compare these objects against your size. What's four to eight inches against your size? That's pretty small. That's as big as we are, four to eight inches. That's, that's, that's kind of small. You think, well, hey, it's like my hand, you know, some of my arm. Now compare them to the size of the ocean. 
What's four to eight inches in the size of all the oceans? That'd be like a little rock. Now compare them against the size of the earth. Not even a grain of sand. Four to eight inches on all the earth wouldn't even be a grain of sand, comparatively speaking, up against the whole earth. God's bigger than all the universe. And he knows where every single one of his little four to eight inch, nothing brown, drab, plain old, tiny bird is. He knows where every one of them is. And he knows when each one of them falls to the ground and dies. Isn't God amazing? Amen. Amen. If the disciples' mouths were hanging down when they heard about the coming persecutions for maybe, you know, when they're going to go out and preach the gospel, I can bet you that they never even, maybe ever even imagined that God was this big and cared about something as small as four to eight inches. And in our society today, birds live, birds are born, birds die. Nobody even cares, human beings. Most human beings don't even care when sparrows, when any bird for that matter dies, it's only a little four to eight inches. We don't even care. But God does. So if that mind-blowing information that Jesus just gave them wasn't amazing enough, read verse 30 with me. He tells them, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Let me ask you, guys, do you know how many hairs you have on your head? I don't. Okay, now, do you know every single hair that's on every single person in your city? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, no, 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 hands. That's good. How about every single hair and numbered of every person that lives on the face of the planet? Nope, no show of hands. But God does. Is God bigger than us? Whew. Wow. Wow, that's, that's not even a question that Stephen should be asked, right? But God, who's bigger than us, knows how many individual hairs you have on every single one of your head of you that are listening. And even if you shave your head, you still got hair follicles. He knows every hair follicle on every single one of your heads. Is God Almighty big? Bigger than we can ever even imagine. That's how big he is. Jesus is saying, don't be afraid of people. Fear the one that knows every hair and counts every hair on your head. Fear him, folks. Don't fear mankind. Don't fear people. What are people? against God Almighty, who's greater, hands down, God is greater. David declares in Psalm 147, 
God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of stars and he calls them all by name. Mankind doesn't even know how many stars are in the heavens. Yet God counts them all and he's got a name for every single one of them. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Wow. Wow. He ends this great consolation with more great comfort to the disciples. Verse 31. Do not fear, therefore, for you, Christian, for you, man, are of more value than many sparrows. Don't fear, but trust in God Almighty, who considers you exceedingly more important than many sparrows. And wow is the only word that comes to my mind. We are of more value than many sparrows. Not one of them dies apart from him knowing about it. Not one of your hairs that's on your head is not counted. Not one of your words does he not know. Not one of your thoughts does he not know. Guys, although I know it's going to be hard to go out and evangelize. Guys, I know it's going to be hard because people might kill you for what you do. Just for following me, people might slaughter you. They're going to hate you for sure. And death, yeah, you're probably going to die just for sharing my word. I know that's rough, guys. I know you're scared. And it is scary because, you know, God wants a lot. He expects a lot. But guys... Don't be afraid. Oh, it's easier said than done, Jesus. He says, I, I, I know, I understand, I know, I understand. I know you may be thinking, well, okay, wow, it is kind of hard, you know, don't be afraid. But here, I'm going to give you a reason why not to be afraid. Your heavenly Father, this is how powerful He is. And this is how much He loves you. And wherever you go, He'll be with you. Whatever you're thinking, he can hear him. And whatever word that you speak, he can hear it. Because you mean more to God than many sparrows. I love them too. But you are worth so much more to me than many sparrows. Wow. Wow. Christians, share Christ and his teachings everywhere you go boldly. And Jesus said, do it from the rooftops. Don't be shy. God doesn't really care if you don't think you can do it, because that's good. He'd rather you think that you can't do it, because he can do it through you. You just have to surrender and let him do it through you. Remember why he wants to do it. He doesn't want to do it to be mean. He's not doing it just to, I'm going to punish that child of mine because I'm going to make him do it. No. God does it because he loves everybody. He wants to save everybody. And only the words of Christ Jesus can save people. You have those words in this book. You have these words, if you're a real Christian, written on your heart. They're in there, folks. God says, Tell them about me. I want them to get saved. 
And if you don't go telling other people about them, you're being disobedient to the words in red of Jesus Christ and His Great Commission. And if you don't, because you're scared, you're forgetting that those who you are scared of don't have any real power. They're weak and feeble just like you. And they don't even have power to give you life. They may have power to take your life away, this puny little old temporary tent that you got now, but they don't have the power after this little tent is dead. They don't have that kind of power over you. Trust in and remember, be only afraid and obey the one that has the real power, God Almighty in heaven. The one that keeps your heart beating and your lungs breathing in you to give you life every day, every moment of every day. Because, you know, if God withdrew his power from you for just a moment, let's say God withdrew his power from within your chest for your heart to beat for five minutes, guess what would happen? You would die because your heart can't not beat for five minutes and you still live. So your heart beats from the moment that you're born to the moment that you die. God gives that power for that heart to beat. Fear him. Don't fear man. What power have they against you? I want to ask something though because... The Bible says that not everybody that calls Jesus Lord is really saved. Are you really walking with Christ? Are you really trusting in Christ? Do you really live for Him in your everyday? You may be hearing this and saying, well, I've never talked to anybody about Jesus, and that's ridiculous. And I just have a belief in God, and I'm good, and you know that's good enough for me, and God knows my heart, and you, you know what? You are right. God does know your heart. And the Bible says that your heart is wicked. And it's evil. And it's deceptive above all things. What man can even know it? It's only those that do the will of God that shall enter the kingdom of heaven. It's only those that obey God and His teachings. It's only those that follow Jesus Christ with their lives are those that are saved. Ask yourself today, am I following Jesus Christ and am I obeying His teachings? Or, you know, I just, you know, I know who God is and praise God, he's, he's, yeah, he's awesome. And I, amen. Maybe you sat there, amen, you said while you were sitting and listening. But are you living for Jesus? Are you doing the things that he told you to do? Are you loving others more than yourself? And are you loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength? Because Jesus said, on all the law and the prophets hang just two that God wants us to be focused with now since Jesus Christ came. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. Be consumed with God and the things of God. And number two, love others more than you love yourself. Are you mean? Do you curse? Are you hateful toward people? Do you rip people off? Do you live in all kinds of fornication and adultery and idolatry? 
Do you worship that almighty dollar and go out there and live for that almighty dollar every week? And, oh, well, God, you know, that's God's provision to me. So then I spend all my time during my week and my life working for that almighty dollar. And I don't care which way I got to get it either because I know I, God knows I got to have it. The Bible says you're on a road to destruction. Because we are to have one master and one Lord. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Him and Him alone. Jesus says, those that desire to come up after me must deny themselves, repent, repent and turn away from the evil that you do, the evil that God hates that you do. Pick up your cross and follow after me. Turn away from sin, fall on my grace, and now follow Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants. If you're not walking with him now, I was just talking to this with some brothers on the way to service today. God doesn't want after you read his word and after you finally find out, oh no, I'm doomed, that's it. Oh no, that's it, I'm done. That's what he wants at first. But then afterwards, he wants you to realize that his hand is outstretched to you right now. And he says, come to me. Come to me. And I can save you. Put your life in my hands. Turn from your wickedness and live for me right now. Surrender to my son, Jesus Christ, right now. And so I make a decision to live for me. If that's you, please cry out to God right now. I'm not right with you, God. I need Jesus. Please save me and turn away from wickedness. And be, start being concerned with the things of God instead of the things of yourself. And get in his word and find out what God wants from you and do it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much for your grace. I pray, Lord God, in heaven right now, if there's those, any of those out there right now realizing I'm not right with God, I pray, Lord God, that they would turn right now, every one of them from their sins and repent and cry out to Jesus Christ and ask you to save them. And I pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, even right now as they're listening to this, I pray you draw them to you, Lord Jesus. Draw them to you, Lord God, unto surrender. Draw them to you unto surrender, unto, unto repentance, unto being born again, unto salvation, unto the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not just a head knowledge, Lord, but a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray, God, that they would just fall on their knees and come to the cross and come to the end of themselves and surrender to you now accept you now, trust in you now. And Lord, for Christians, and I, I pray for Christians, even myself included, I pray, Lord God, that we would stop letting the enemy get in there and trick us, and trick us into saying, oh, there's, there's somebody else that's better qualified than me out there to preach the gospel, or, oh, well, you know, Lord, you know, you know my heart, you, you know that I'm not that good. And remember, Lord God, from just even a week or two ago, you don't call the qualified, but you qualify the called. I pray, Lord God, that they would just come right now and dedicate themselves, Lord God, right now to say, I'm going to do God's work and not my own work. I'm going to make a decision right now to stop just living and not preaching the gospel and not telling other people about Jesus. I pray right now, God, that they would even just, your words right now would well up within them, Lord God, and they would sit there like a fire in their bosom and where they'd have to be obedient to what you call all your children to do. 
to call out to the lost and tell them that there's hope in Christ. Because only your words can save, Jesus. Only your words can save. And you have given us, people, mankind, your children, the privilege of going out there and telling other people about Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you would light a fire in them right now and get them out there preaching the gospel from the rooftops so that all people can see everywhere they go. I ask you to do all these things, Lord, because we're so helpless, Lord. I pray you would do it in these people. And I ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We would like to thank everyone who has joined us today to listen to Pastor Ed Spagnoli bring us more biblical truth as he preaches verse by verse through the Bible. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged to respond to the word of the Lord today as one life will soon be passed and only what is done for Jesus Christ will last. If you would like to support this ministry or contact us for prayer or for any reason at all, please visit gospelsavingchurch.com and enjoy our beautiful new website and click on the appropriate links. God bless you.